Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Our guest today is COO Alliance member and Aviator PPG's Chief Operating Officer, Matt Lutke. Matt has been around aviation his whole life, but never in the pilot seat until training at Aviator. He trained with Aviator at the Dinellan location in January of 2021. Matt spent four years in the U.S. Air Force in the late 1990s, primarily stationed at Elmdorf AFB in Anchorage, Alaska. He also completed a six-month tour in Saudi Arabia at King Abdulaziz Airport Air Base in support of Operation Desert Shield. Matt's last job was the chief architect of a software company called Science Logic, where he was one of the first employees. During that time, he was awarded multiple patents and helped grow the company to be a large player in the industry. Matt's first paramotor flight was truly a life-changing experience, and now he works at Aviator, helping them make dreams come true for the consumer. Matt, welcome to the Second Fan Podcast. Thank you, Cameron. Good to be here. Yeah. So normally I don't um, ask about the company until a little bit later on, but I think it just kind of makes sense to tell people right away what this business is and um, kind of how you got involved in it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about Aviator? Yeah, sure. Uh, Yeah, we're a bit of a unique company. Um, So we teach powered paragliding or paramotoring, as it's called, um, which is if you've never seen it before, it's very hard to describe, but if you've ever seen a paraglider, you know what it kind of looks like, the paragliding wing over your head, and then you strap a motor onto your back with a propeller, and you take off from the ground and you go fly. Um, so our business is primarily teaching people how to fly those things, um, selling equipment, and maintaining that equipment. Okay. So I'm, I'm picturing this, I mean, I've, I've seen it, but I, and I'm going to drop a link in the show notes too, so people can actually see the product and see some videos of this thing going. I'm picturing this like very small, like two person kind of almost, is, is it like, is it like a, a hang gliding kind of sail above you or is it more like a, a rectangular parachute above you? So it's, it's more like a paragliding wing. So it's a, it's a soft wing. It's made out of fabric. Um, there's no, there's no structural components to it whatsoever. Like a hang glider has the, the wing inflates with air as you're, as you're taking off and stays inflated throughout flight. Okay. Uh, safety specs on this. <laughs> this is not like going to a burger restaurant. Like safety yeah. specs. Uh, it's inter- interesting. You mis- mentioned burger restaurant because I have a, an interesting marketing story to talk about later um, about how how I got into this and how um, Aviator became the player that we are in the industry. Um, the safety of this. Um, there's a there's an organization called USPPA which um, uh, manages our our as a sport uh, relationship with the FAA. Um, so this is fully, fully allowed by the FAA. It's, there's no license required. Um, the, the safety aspect of it is we like to say that it's somewhere between driving a car and, dri- and riding a motorcycle. So less safe than sitting in a car, more safe than riding a motorcycle. Wow. So super safe. Yeah. Very safe. And, and, and the failure, the failure mode of a paramotor is if your motor quits, you still have a parachute over your head, right? You're going to fly to the ground safely. Uh, got it. Okay. That's the difference from, cause years ago, these friends of mine almost got into it and they were these little micro lights. They were more like a, 
like a fixed wing almost on top of the, they were almost like a, like not a plane, but almost like a hang glider, but like a super small, but those things tended to kind of crash and burn a little bit more probably because they were heavier. Is that the reason or definitely heavier? Yeah. So, so ultralight aviation, uh, we're governed under FAA, FAR 103, which is microlight aviation. Uh, and that's anything that that's the equipment is under 200, 200 pounds, 256 pounds. Uh, this is well under that that bar. Uh, you mentioned two seaters. This is primarily a one person thing. There are two seaters. Uh, there there is licensure required for doing two seat stuff. And is there any? How much training is involved for somebody? Like I, I would imagine they can't just like hop on down and and they go up that afternoon or do they? No. Uh, our program our program is um, anywhere between ten days and two weeks. Okay. So we teach you absolutely everything that you need to know. We we teach you about airspace. We teach you about uh, micrometeorology, climate climatology. Um, we teach you how the how the paramotor works. We teach you how to pre and post flight. Um, every safety thing that you can possibly imagine. Uh, we'll teach you everything that you need to know. It's like a fourteen day boot camp style. And then once you've completed the program and you buy your equipment, you can go fly for as much as it costs to fill a gas tank. And are people, are, are they renting these units from you and, and doing it? Or is it, is it pretty much a take the course by the units? Pretty much take the course by the units, yeah. What's, what's that kind of thing cost? What's the course cost? What's the units cost? Our course currently costs around $4,000. The, the motor, the thing that you wear on your back costs somewhere around $8,000. And the wing is somewhere between three and four. That's if you buy new. Um, we do have options for buying used as well. And then, so for you guys, are you pretty much a like find a client, create that experience, sell the unit? Where's is there recurring revenue involved, or is it uh, kind of a one time purchase per customer? So that's that's one of the things that I'm actually looking at changing is is um, potentially offering more advanced style courses so that we can have some of those returning customers. Um, it's pretty much a once and done right now. Uh, we have people that buy parts for maintenance and things like that, but we don't have people coming back to the full course over again. So we're developing some additional advanced courses so we can teach people how to do more advanced acrobatic things. Like um, you can do wing overs. You can go upside down in these things. You can do crazy stuff. Uh, you can fly within inches of the ground. Wow. So some of our more advanced courses would be teaching people how to do some of those more advanced things. Have you ever done any retreat style events where it's like, you know, 20 people who have done this stuff head off and they do a... a you know, four day Grand Canyon experience. And now you're marketing kind of the experiential side of some of this and hanging out as a tribe, or is it pretty much you're doing the units and they're off on their own or. Yeah, that's, that's actually, we just got back from a trip, but that was ex exactly that. Um, we're in the middle of a new product launch and we took some of those products out to a pretty cool location out in Utah, uh, near Salt Lake city, um, Moab, that kind of area. And, and, you know, Hooked up with a bunch of friends out there, made some promotional videos, flew around some cool stuff, had a great time. Interesting. So tell me about the, the business itself. What's the, the scope of the operation? Where are you guys operating? So we're actually we're actually the, the uh, 800 pound gorilla in this space. Um, we're, we're the largest and I like to say we're the safest paramotor company in the United States. Uh, we train about 300 people a year. Okay. Um, and are you operating in one location, multiple locations? Currently operating out of Lake Wales, Florida. That's our only location. We're, we're, we're looking at other uh, possible areas to expand into. A little bit more of a challenge for us because it's very weather related, very weather, weather dependent. Um, Florida is a very, very flat state and we get lots of flat, flat laminar wind. Uh, and that helps us out quite a bit. You don't want turbulence. You don't want bumps when you're up there all alone flying and, you know, basically by a lawn, in, in a lawn, uh, lawn chair with a bed sheet over your head. Yeah. 
that makes it more comfortable. <laughs> um, you, you mentioned you're the largest in the United States. Are there other competitors that are global that are doing this? And where, and where are they? I know France has a big kind of paraglider community. Where are the bigger competition? Yeah, you're, it's, it's pretty big in Europe. Um, we, we have quite a few competitors in the United States, none that quite reach our scale. Um, I think our next biggest competitor is about 175 students a year. Uh, and like I mentioned, we're, we're close to 300. Um, there's a lot of onesie twosies out there. So somebody goes through the program, earns their trainer certificate, and then kind of does weekend warrior type stuff and trains people to do it, fly on the weekends local. That's actually a, a fairly big competitor for us. Um, but they don't get nearly the quality with that. You know, you're, you're just with one person. Is there any any approach or any looks for you guys as a company to either kind of franchise this or get into the multiple location, um, you know, to have locations in, in other states, et cetera? Yeah, you're reading my mind, actually. That's that's on my list right now. To Ulterior motive for us heading out there, how to heading out west to Utah and the Arizona area was potentially looking at locations to open up a school out that way. Yeah, I could I could almost see. I mean, I mean, I've done a couple of roll ups um, over the years. I did a roll up in the collision repair space where we acquired um, auto body collision repair shops all over North America. It's now called Gerber Auto Collision in the U.S. and Boyd Auto Body in Canada. But Gerber is now like a nine hundred million dollar. Uh, but it was all done by acquisitions. And then in in the house painting industry, we did it with College Pro Painters, where we opened up you know eight hundred and fifty um, house painting businesses every year. And then one eight hundred got junk. Clearly, was a you know a franchise model as well. But I could see you guys doing something interesting around this space where you become kind of the big North American brand, and you have either franchises or licenses, you know, in in all of these um, in all these markets. Just to even leverage the buying power and the marketing power could be really intriguing. Yeah, I, and and just starting up a referral network, right? Find somebody that's local to you. We, we'll refer people to you. We've got a big wait list. Um, have people refer to us as well. Mm -hmm. I remember years ago when we were getting into the house painting business, there was somebody started up like 1-800-PAINTER and uh, 1-800-PAINT. I can't remember what the hell it was. And um, I was like, shit, that's interesting. These guys must be everywhere. And they weren't. All they were were marketing. And then they found really good house painting companies in every market and they sold the leads to them and took like a, you know, an arbitrage opportunity because you guys are doing something really intriguing. So what's the day-to-day -day operations of your business look like and, and where... Where are the pain points um, for you in business other than the kind of the death by a thousand cuts where you've got competition, you know, even the mom and pops? Yeah. So um, the business model, if, if you if you think of it like a ski resort and hiring uh, ski instructors, that's that's kind of our business model is we, we, we hire you know people who are really good at doing this uh, to train other people to, to get really good at doing this. Mm. We also we also a big part of our business business is the e-commerce side uh, and the um, direct sales side of selling selling equipment to students that come through our program. That's interesting. Okay, so that's your recurring revenue model. Then is the the upgrades and the new equipment and the the parts and that kind of stuff as well. Right, and if a new wing comes out, then people get excited about that. Yeah, of course. Are you doing anything on the swag? Like, are you doing anything with like the clothing and gear and all that kind of stuff? Too? Yeah, we have lots of lots of license. Yeah, a friend of mine growing up um, did one in the in the aviation space. It's called Red Canoe, um, but he has all the the Cessna and De Havilland and Beaver and all these old kind of classic kind of um, the pontoon planes, right? The the um, whatever they called. Why well, I can't remember what they're called now, but um, okay. So so you've got that side of the operation. It's the training people. What what was it about the business that that got you excited and got you involved? 
because you, as you said, you've been around aviation, but you've never worked in this space or you've never, never been a pilot. What got you excited about the business itself? Um, so let me tell you a little bit about the business itself. Um, we, we pull all of our customers as they exit. Our, our NPS score is 97 and that's real. Um, we, we pull every single customer that comes through our program and everybody raves about it. Um, it's pretty fantastic. When I say life changing, like every company, like it, when you look at the vision statements and I look at the vision statements of, of companies out there, everybody has, we want to change the world through finance or we want to you know, build the better mousetrap and change everybody's life because of it. This is actually truly life changing stuff, right? You're, you're facing fears, you're over, overcoming challenges. Um, and that's what appealed to me. My life got changed when I, when I went through this program, right? You, when you lift off the ground and you're sitting in that seat by yourself and you're flying over whatever you want to fly over and seeing whatever you want to see, it just puts a new perspective on everything. So you got bit bad. Yeah. I got bit by the bug for sure. Okay. So, um, but you've been in around the, the Air Force before, or you've been around flying before? Yeah, I, I grew up right next door to an airport. I was in the Air Force for four years. Um, I've always been fascinated by flying in planes. I've just never never took that leap to you know put myself in the pilot seat until until I, until I joined Aviator. And does any of this give you any advantage in the business at all, or, or did it really matter? Is it more like once you did the training program, now you're just applying business to, to a niche? I mean, domain knowledge, right? It's, it's always important to, to, to know about the thing that you're trying to sell. The more that you can know about the equipment and how it works and how it operates and, you know, having personal experience of actually using your own products. Uh, I think that's invaluable. Mm -hmm. How many employees do you guys have now? Full-time, part-time? Full-time employees, we have about 10. Um, most of our employees are, are actually contractors. All of our trainers are contractors and we have about um, 15 of those. Okay. And and because you're kind of the location based, that makes things easy easy to build the culture and stuff. Where are you getting most of your customers now? Is it is it marketing? Is it um, you know word of mouth? Is it, where, where does that come come from? Yeah, it's it's online. It's mostly digital marketing. Um, so the story that I was going to tell earlier, there's actually a, a young guy that went through our program 10, 10 years ago. His name's Tucker Gott. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel. He's got about 1.5 million subscribers on that channel, and all he does on that channel is paramotoring. And he's added base jumping recently, right. but he, he posted a video, uh, several years ago about Tucker got flies to McDonald's on his paramotor. So he basically, he basically loaded up his paramotor, drove to his local park, strapped everything on, took off, flew to McDonald's, bought some burgers, jumped back in his paramotor, ate the burgers and flew home. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, he trained with us. Uh, he, that video has been watched about 45 million times now. Um, and he mentions that he trained with us and that he had such a fantastic experience with us all the time. And that's been huge for us. Do you guys do anything? Um, I, I, my wife and I just did a skydive in Dubai over top of the Palm. And, you know, we paid the additional X amount of money to have the videos and all that stuff done. Do you guys create those videos and, and photos for your students as well? Is that part of your package? We do. So um, we have a YouTube channel as well. Um, not quite as many as, as Tucker has, but we have a you know a pretty big following. We create videos for that channel. So that's a big part of our business is, is the um, filming people while they're training, telling their stories. I'm just curious whether, whether there's a viral loop opportunity where your clients then have those videos for themselves and if they're starting to share them on social media. 
we sell a couple different photo packages. We have our videographers out there all the time videoing the training classes for our own purposes. Mm. Use that same footage to to um, document their experience as well. It just feels like that's got to be a massive opportunity is for every one of those students is giving them the stuff so that they can then share it, helping them share it, helping them place it, giving them some incentives to share it. Because um, I went and did an escape room a couple of years ago. And when we came out of the escape room, and they, you know, they had all the crazy little hold up this and here's our thing and post your image, you'll get 20% off your next next escape room kind of thing. Um, but it's them sharing it on their feeds where the viral component became but i would imagine your students are posting their own stuff anyway because they're excited about it yeah and they've they've hopefully bought their equipment and they're posting videos of that they that they've made Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this is this is not just a two-week thing that you come here to experience right this is you're you're coming here to learn a new skill yeah take advantage of that skill and absolutely post videos of you having fun and doing cool stuff it's interesting that it's um it's such a long time. I mean, it isn't like it is and it's not. I mean, like you said, you're learning a new skill. It's not like you're just going and jumping out of a plane strapped to some random guy's back. So it's not like it's a two-hour session. Well, so the, inter- the interesting thing is this, this sport in particular, out of all aviation, your first flight, your first time in the, in the pilot seat is a solo flight. So there's a lot of preparation that goes into that, right? You can imagine there's there's a lot of knowledge that you have to have to be able to to sit in that seat and and do it safely. Yeah, there's no way to bring this into the business world, is there? You can't like train a whole leadership team around this because it's like twelve or ten, fourteen days. So it's- I'd love to. And actually, if you look on our website, that's one of the one of the advanced training classes that we're we're potentially going to start teaching is like a corporate retreat. We'd love to do that. Yeah, it's interesting as to how how this stuff works, whether or not it can be um, it can be brought into the business world because it's it's such a it's such an interesting niche and market. I I honestly think your big big opportunities is going to be to license this, joint venture this, do roll ups, acquisitions, or whatever, or franchise to be able to have you know where you become the kind of brand and the systems and the buying power across all these markets versus trying to grow organically as well. I think the organic growth is going to be harder than you know, every other form, it feels like. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. That's, um, we've been organically growing for about 10 years. And, and I think we've kind of seen what pace we can grow at. And mm-hmm. there's more out there. Is it, um, is it organic growth? Or do you have investment money involved in this? Do you have, um, you know, suppliers that have invested? How does that, that work? No investment, but a lot of the profit of the company has gone back into the company. Yeah, so it's organic growth. And so it's, it's funded by founder. Um, who who makes the, the the actual products? What companies are doing that? Are those kind of again the boutique kind of um, businesses, or is it more of like a, a larger company that's doing everything kind of globally? Yeah, so there's there's many different brands as you can imagine. Um, our, our our biggest sellers are Ozone Wings. So Ozone is a company that's based out of France. They do most of their manufacturing in Vietnam. Um, they they make all of the wings, and we're the, we're the primary importer for Ozone in the United States. Um, there, there's all, there's all sorts of different brands out there. There's, um, Dudek, there's ITB, there's, there's many different kinds. Uh, most of them are based in Europe. Most of, most of the manufacturers are, are based in Europe. We're actually starting to manufacture our own paramotor, um, partnering with a company in Spain called Liberty. Um, we're making limitless paramotor. And that was the promotional tour that we just went on was show off limitless. In terms of, of selling the the kind of your your direct to these end users or these um, you know the pilots who have been certified, 
is this a something are you selling to non trained clients of yours? Or are you selling to people that have, you know, been trained from other schools and stuff as well? Well we'll sell to people that have trained through other schools if we can verify that they've been trained. Um I don't want that kind of stress. Yeah. How how do you know that? Is it like a PADI certification in scuba? Is there any kind of a do they get like an FAA kind of license or something? Or what what is the so there, there is no FAA license required, which um, draws a lot of interesting people into the sport. Um, there, there's an optional program that you can go through through the USPPA that's called the PPG certification. PPG one certification is that you've been trained by a trainer, you've successfully taken from one to five flights. PPG two is where we end, where our program ends. We'll get you to there. That's 25 solo flights. Um, you'll get a certification from USPPA for PPG two. And you can use that for insurance purposes. You'll get lower insurance rates and things like that. But there's no actual FAA certification. And, and what do you mean it draws interesting people into the sport? Is this drawing like the... Well, you mentioned you mentioned something about you can't just buy one of these things, strap it on your back and go for a flight. Some people do. <laughs> Some people self-train and that, that's pretty scary. That's crazy scary. Yeah. Okay. I, I when you said it brings interesting people in, I was like, this what have you got? Like drug mules like flying back and forth <laughs> in those little paramotors or um there's not that much carrying capacity. I don't think it would be an efficient drug mule, but yeah. Yeah, what, what is the carrying capacity? Is it is it just you and are they they don't have a parachute? What's on their back? You said they're carrying like a sixty pound, you know, backpack as well. It's the motor. So there's there's a there's a small motor that that uh, is attached to a frame. There's a harness that's also attached to that frame. You get strapped into the harness. The motor's on the back, and the propeller gets there. That on the back as well. Um, that's what provides you the thrust, the forward momentum. The wing keeps you up. The motor pushes you forward. Oh wow, interesting. Who the hell invented this? Like some. <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> this is this was before cannabis was legal, but clearly they were smoking some because it's been around for about fifteen to twenty years. Um, and actually, an old Baywatch episode with David Hasselhoff flying one of these things. Wow. Using it for like search and rescue. Yeah, I would guess that it's been around even longer than that. I would guess it's been around, but but it's such an interesting play for sure. So, how about you and your role? Like, what's what's given you the skills to operate as the chief operating officer, and, and what are you kind of working at today, or continuing to work at today? Um, so, let me talk about my my previous company a little bit. Um, I, I started with my previous company is called Science Logic. They they develop monitoring software of all things, but uh, I started with that company as employee number six. And stayed with them for about 20 years, um, grew, grew into a $500 million company. Uh, I was there from the very beginning, helping that company grow. Um, so I took, I took a lot of lessons from that and, and have tried to apply many of those lessons to this job as well. Okay. So what would some of the lessons have been? What do you think is the, some of the deep, deeper skills? Yeah. Um, as a software developer, as a, as a software architect, um, one of the big things in the industry these days is agile and scrum teams and uh, turning a small group of people into a self-managed self-managed team. Um, so that's one of the that's one of the things that I think I'm really good at. Um, I also, as a software developer, the two hardest things that you can do are start a project and finish finish a project. So I've I've really honed those muscles over the years of um, you know doing the appropriate amount of research beforehand jumping into the project and, you know, getting done when, when you're done. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. 
the employees that you're that you're bringing in are these are are many of the employees like former clients or are these people that are just like in love with aviation or are they just people that you know are looking for a job and they're in a business and you know they may or may not like the product um a lot of those actually we we don't pay very well so (laughs) a lot of people that come to our program aren't really looking for jobs unless they're like pre-retirement like just looking for a little supplemental income and to do you know to do something fun with their spare time um, so we, we, we get all of those. We get people who are aviation enthusiasts just stop by and, and ask for a job or people that have gone through the program looking for something. Um, we actually have job listings on our website as well. And we get, you know, hits on those just about every week. And then I would guess that yet yeah, your leadership team level, you know, everybody's kind of certified in this. So if a, if an instructor doesn't show up, one of you guys has to kind of swoop in and, and teach or be there with the students. Is that true? Or are you, are you pretty reliant on the instructors? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I, I'm, I myself am not certified to be an instructor. I've not been with the company long enough yet to, uh, you know, fully, fully train myself. Too busy running the company. Um, but you're, at, at most everybody else is. And that's the plan for me as well as I work myself through that. What's the training involved in that? Is it like a couple hundred hours, a certain number of flight hours, or is it a certain number of flights, or is it a combination of all? So you'll actually sit with our class. You're talking about training to become an instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have one guy uh, who went through the program um, and then sat through the next class as an intern, an unpaid intern, and never left. Um, so he he learned how to fly, stayed for the next class to learn how to do better, and just kept staying and learning more to, to learn how to be an instructor. Like it affected him that much. That's interesting. Yeah, I've got a friend who did that in yoga. He like got into yoga, then got obsessed with yoga, and then he did like his yoga teacher training. And now it's like, dude, you like, do you have a life outside of like doing yoga constantly? It's unbelievable. Yeah, we we have a long list of skills that you have to certify on, and as you get checked off, you'll move up and rank for like lack of a better word. Um, it takes about six to nine months to get through everything and check all the boxes to get to you know a uh, class A instructor. The um the CEO or the entrepreneur who who started this business are they still actively involved and and how do you you kind of divide and conquer or split the roles between the two? Uh, he is still actively involved, but interestingly, he dropped the bombshell about a week and a half ago that he is interested in um t- taking some more steps back and giving me some more responsibility. Ultimately, I think he wants to uh, turn me into the CEO and go have fun. Why is that? Is he just done his thing and he's he's happy now, or is it? Yeah, he's been doing it for about ten years. Um, it's a very stressful thing. I'm, I'm sure you're very aware of that. Um, and I, I think he wants to take some time with his family. Okay, interesting. So, what what's that transition start to look like, and and how did that conversation play out? Well, I basically run the entire company now anyway, with just a you know a, a little input from him. Um, I, I like to say that he's the visionary. He likes to think of all the cool things we can do. And I'm the guy that, uh, gets stuck implementing them. Okay. When, when he brought you on board, um, was there a, a period of, cause you've been there for about a year and a half now? Yeah, about a year and a half. What was that transition period like in terms of you getting into the organization and how did he bring you into the organization? How do you think they, they kind of onboarded you to understand the, the ins and outs of the organization? Um, there really wasn't a whole lot of an onboarding. Um, it was it was sit in this room, watch these people work, and figure out what we're doing wrong. That was kind of my onboarding. Um, so I did exactly that, right? I sat in the room for a week. I asked a whole bunch of questions of everybody, um, tried to find holes in the logic and, and holes in the business and, and fill those holes and start making suggestions. 
Um, evidently, a lot of those suggestions have worked and have been good suggestions. So he's, you know, continuing to give me more and more responsibility. And have you had any turnover at all? Do you have a fairly consistent staff? How's that work? We have a lot of turnover. I, I think I, I equated this earlier to like a ski instructor. Um, very similar to that, right? You get a lot of, a lot of, so there's, there's two sides of it. You either get a young guy who hasn't started his career yet that, um, doesn't know what he wants to do. This is a cool thing. So I'm going to do this for a little while. Or you get the retiree who wants to have a little bit of spare income, wants to do some cool stuff in their spare time and, you know, doesn't, doesn't want to have a, like a full-time corporate job. Mm. Um, those guys are fairly transient, right? Well, they'll stick around for a year and maybe go find something else. Is there crossover with your sport or this activity and, and others? Like, is there a, you know, the people that are into, um, skydiving say that, Hey, this is something I want to get into and try. Is it, does it make a leap from, you know, the skiing industry into this? Is there any leap like that? Are there like for normal pilots, is this something that like all the people that fly their own planes, are they trying to, to learn this as well? Cause it's something different. Yeah. All of those actually. And I've been, um, you know, pulled aside by every one of those people. Uh, we'll have pilots land at the airport while we're flying and, you know, pull up to us in their plane and say, this thing looks really cool. Let me get into that. Mm. <laughs> um, we are co-located with a skydiving facility so people can come here and, you know, do all their bucket list. Um, so we get people, you know, that will, will go up for their first tandem skydive and watch us fly, come down and say, this looks way cooler than skydiving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess the big the big hurdle is the fact that it is like a ten to fourteen day thing too, right? It's not something they can just you can't just go and do it for the day. Yeah, that's tough, and that's actually one of the one of the big reasons why some of our customers go to those you know the the weekend warrior types is they'll have a weekend program where you can come learn come learn a little bit on this weekend, come learn a little bit more on the next weekend, and it takes a lot longer to to, to actually get there to where you feel comfortable flying, but. Ours is 14 days and a lot of people can't justify taking, you know, two weeks off of work. Yeah. Yeah. Or away from family or, or, or just even being on the road to, to come and do that. Really anything. Two weeks is a big commitment. We, we, we understand that. Hmm. The cool thing about our program is that it is, like I said, very heavily weather oriented and time of day oriented because of the weather. Um, early in the morning, the winds are usually typically calm. Uh, late in the evening, just before sunset, the winds calm down as well. So mm-hmm. it's a sport that you do very early in the morning around sunrise at very late in the evening around sunset. And are the clients doing like normal daytime business as well? Or are they like in classroom? Right. That's what I was getting at with that story was because it's early morning and late evening, that leaves the middle of the day open for, you know, you can go back to your hotel, have a nap, you can do some work, you can, you know, take care of emails, whatever. Okay, that's interesting. That makes sense too. God, you guys got to got to buy like some big old ass house and let people like live together as well. So they're doing their course and they're like, you yeah. know, eight of them, eight of them living in some massive Airbnb together. I, I love hearing you say this stuff because this is exactly the kinds of things that we have planned. Like we we would we would love to be the full service paramotor resort, right? Yeah. Show up. We've got a place to stay. We've got a place to hook up your camper and park. You know, like all that stuff. Yeah, because then you're kind of you're tied in with the community aspect of it as well. You can do your work. Um, I had something on the the people doing this kind of thing um, and the business kind of thing. 
Oh shoot, I'm not going to remember what it was. So, so what what is the marketing that's working for you guys now? Is it all digital? Is it all social media? Um, and then, what have you tried that's not working? Have you tried anything that's just like, oh shit? That um, I think our biggest problem is that people don't know about this sport. People don't know what it is. People have never seen it. I think if we if we could get that in front of people, um, we would get much more traction. Our our marketing right now is primarily influencers. Um, you know, like Tucker got, who I mentioned earlier, um, he, he mentions us on his channel all the time. Um, digital marketing, uh, we, we've just started experimenting with, um, Google advertising, you know, putting video advertising and search advertising, and that's actually paid off really well. Yeah. I think, I think the big one is going to be making sure that every one of your clients has videos and images of their own and helping them get those posted online, helping them to creating some incentives for them to be able to be sharing that stuff online so that all of their community kind of is seeing this stuff too, right? It's, it's the, Oh, I want to do what I want, what she's having, right? I want to try out what he's doing as well. Um, Cause it sure is a freaking interesting business when you see it, we see it happening as well on the training aspect. So you guys have, are clearly like a training organization, right? What's what works in training adults? What's not working um, have you found that there's certain kinds of, you know, classroom training that's working and not working or certain kinds of online training that's working and not working? Any thoughts around that at all? Um, what works and what, what doesn't work in training. So what we found is that, um, that's, that's, that's why we think our school makes a good school is because we have a big variety of instructors that if, if the way that this guy teaches isn't working for you, We'll switch you off to this other guy who's maybe a little bit more calm or maybe a little bit more aggressive or maybe he's going to say something in a slightly different way that's going to click with you. Um, so what we found is that, um, you know, moving people to different instructors, finding where they fit and then and then ultimately sticking sticking them there and, and you know, writing it out through the, through the rest of the course. That's that's what works the best for us. It's interesting. I've been thinking about your clients a little bit. And as, as much as this is a, a niche kind of a thing that. You know, and there's an economic shift happening right now. The reality is most of your customers have money or they wouldn't be out doing this in the first place. And even though there's an economic shift, it's not like they're bankrupt and they're living on the streets. It's it's not like you're selling to people that are, you know, trying to scrape together for this. This is a vacation. They they probably got they're probably higher net worth individuals from the get go. Right. And, and we get we get some of those people that come in and, and it's like a bucket list thing. They come in and they, you know, I flew and and that's it for them. Uh, we, we don't I'd prefer not to to have those people as clients because I really want to see those people have their lives changed and, and you know, go out there and post cool shit on social media. Um, you know, this is this is a this is a cool thing. And I, I just love it for everybody to, to, to do it. Yeah, I, I like that aspect of it as well. Is there any way that this can become a tandem, like a you know where you're you're in one of these with a pilot, and maybe the training is a little bit you know it's it's a half day training to learn this, but you're do those units exist at all? They they do exist. That they have to be very special units because they have to uh, fit under that that weight limit which I was talking about earlier. Um, there, there are tandem units. We do have them. We do use them in training. So your first flight will actually be in in a tandem unit with a, with an experienced pilot showing you what it's all about. And you can actually just buy that if you want to, or you can come here and just, you know, just take a joyride. Oh, you can. Okay. So that is an opportunity. It is an opportunity. Yes. Um, to, to actually do that as a pilot with a passenger takes a lot of training. Like you, sure. have, you have to be an instructor and you have to have a tandem rating because you're, you're basically taking somebody else's life into your hands. 
Yeah, that that I think is also, I mean, as much as it's not entirely the mission of what you're after, there's got to be some massive upside for you there as well. Like that, that is for sure a, you know, your entire forum group is coming out and they're all going to do like a 30 minute, you know, ride and, and, you know, you're paying 500 bucks a person. What do you charge a per person for the joy ride? 250. Yeah. I, I think you've got a huge opportunity there for sure. Cause that's, that's right in the price of what the skydiving is, right? Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Plus it gives you that taste. Right. You, you get up in the air and you see exactly what this feels like, what you're going to experience if you go through the program. Yeah. I call it the drug dealer model, right? Where the, uh, you know, the, you know, here's a, you want a free joint and you want a second free joint. And, hey, do you want to buy some, some pot? And it's like, you know, you're hooked, right? Cause yeah, that, that's a really like, I'll tell you, my wife, when she did her first skydive in Dubai, came back, she's like, I want to do this. I'm like, oh shit, you're already hooked. Like that's this. Yeah. My wife, same thing on her first skydive. Yeah, that's a, that's okay. So now I'm glad to know this. So where in Florida are you? Just in, in rough line of, like what's the the closer bigger cities that you're on? So it's Central Florida. If you if you you know put your finger on a map in what you think of as the center of Florida, that's pretty much exactly where we are. Uh, we're south of Orlando, between Orlando and Tampa. Yeah, that's what I was going to guess. We're in between Orlando and Tampa. So you're like, what is that? Like an hour and a half from each of those cities. Yeah, if that, it's, if that. Yeah, it's probably closer to an hour to Orlando, maybe an hour and a half to Tampa. Okay. Yeah. You've got a couple of big, big markets to draw from then. Is that the majority of your clients are from that area as well? Um, surprisingly, all across the Eastern Seaboard. Okay. Love that we got the joy right. I got a bunch of, um, of CEOs that I used to coach that are in Florida and a bunch of clients that are based out there as well that are, um, are close enough that I'm going to let them know about this because they're adrenaline junkies. And even if they do the, the whole joyride um is it called the joyride what do you call no. it <laughs> it's it's called a tandem experience okay uh the, the faa is is a little bit weird about some of the rules um they they don't actually let people make money doing this sport so it has to be kind of categorized as an instructional flight so you will learn along the way you'll learn about how the wing works you'll learn about you know how you know, all the safety aspects, what all the straps do, how the harness works and things like that. You'll, you'll learn quite a bit on, a, on, a, on your first tandem ride as well. That's cool. So they're, they're really paying for the instruction and then they get the, the flight is kind of a bonus, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right. I want you to go back to your 21 year old self. If you were to give Mount Luke some advice as a 21, 22 year old starting out in your career, what, what would you tell yourself? Be honest with yourself. My, my personal journey right now is kind of discovering my true self and I, you know, and, forging a new relationship with my, with myself and with my wife and, um, honesty to yourself and, and to your spouse and to, you know, to everyone around you is so important. It's so basic, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of, um, when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? Right. Yeah. It's, and honesty is a huge, huge part of that. Matt Lupke, the COO for Aviator PPG. Thanks so much for sharing with us on the second command podcast. Really appreciate the time today. You've been listening to Second in Command, brought to you by COO Alliance founder, Cameron Harold. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe. For more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.